At some point in a fight, technique gives way to heart and determination. You agree with that? Absolutely. Well, let me ask you something. Do you ever watch the Ultimate Fighting Championship? Definitely not as versed as you are. I have been to a, a match or two in my life. but uh... Well, if anybody embodies that statement I just said, it would be Frankie the Answer Edgar. And um, I thought it would be pretty cool if we can get Frankie to come into the studio and talk to us about his career, how he overcomes adversity, um, how he celebrates success, uh, what it was like fighting for their championships, what it's like climbing back up you know, the ranks to actually uh, uh, fight for the championship again. Because here's a guy that spent 10 years in the UFC, never knocked out, never submitted, has fought top 10 fighters the entire time, top, his storied career. And when people talk about Frankie the Answer Edgar, they always say, future Hall of Famer. And this guy's still fighting in his prime. Well, we have him here today with us. Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast. Featuring leadership and team building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. All right, we are here with former UFC champion and uh, and top contender Frankie the Answer Edgar. Frankie, welcome to Thank the podcast. You. Thanks for having me. Oh uh, no, I'm very happy to have you. I'm very excited because, as you know, I've spoken to you before about this. Uh, it's my favorite sport. I love the UFC. I love the MMA. I've been a fan. I've since UFC one. Uh, you know, I've watched them all and and getting to know you over the years and watching you. I mean, you're, you're not just my favorite fighter. You're a lot of fighters' favorite fighters. And I, and I want to talk to you about that in a little bit. But um, more than 10 years you've fought now in the UFC, probably one of the longest careers ever. You've never been knocked down, you've ne- or you've never been knocked out. You've never been submitted. Uh, you held the, the belt for a couple years in a weight class that a lot of people thought you might, you should not have been in because you were uh, small for that weight class, but, but you, were, you were taking care of business. Uh, talk to me about your career, a little bit about about what it what it's like just being a guy that that you know started out here in Tom's River, New Jersey, and and a few years later here you are the world champion. Yeah, you know I've never really fathomed uh, I'd be in this position honestly. Uh, you know, coming up, uh, I was a fan of the UFC too. Um, yeah. I probably watched the first or second. I remember thirteen years old, seventh grade, at my buddy's house watching it. What is what is what is that was old man. And, uh, you know, of course, we're in for the wrestler. I wrestled back then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but then it kind of went dormant, you know, for a couple of years. You really couldn't right. find it. And then in college, it started coming back. Um, but, you know, training through my whole wrestling career, I, I didn't realize I was actually training for my UFC career at the time because, you know, right. wrestling is so intertwined with it. Um, but, you know, my senior year in college, uh, the Ultimate Fighter Show came out, and I seen some fellow wrestlers on there doing well. Actually, Josh Koscheck wrestled the same conference as I did in college. Right. And, um, you know, I graduated in May. I was like, let me— I want to find a place to train. I found a local place at the time, and I think I fought maybe four weeks later and, you know, uh, kept it going, and here we are today. It's amazing. And you fought about, like you said, four weeks later, and you fought for an underground uh, in the Bronx, right? An underground uh, division? Yeah, it was, uh, they call it underground show because it wasn't sanctioned. Maybe a smoker show, sometimes they call them. Um, It was in the Bronx on a summer day, a Sunday. I remember it was very, very hot in there. There was no ambulance. There was no weigh-in. 
Uh, we were going to fight just one 15-minute round, just 15 minutes ago. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, uh, there was guys drinking 40s in the gym. It was it was an experience, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a good fight. The kid I fought, actually, was a New York guy. He had a big, you know, the whole place was screaming for him. Um, and, you know, I don't think I was supposed to beat him. He was supposedly going to the UFC soon and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So I went out there and, uh, you know, I was able to TKO him in, in, uh, in like about two and a half minutes. But I took a pretty big knee to the face and I ended up breaking my orbital bone uh, in that fight. And didn't realize until I went to dinner later, blew my nose, my whole face just blew up with air. So that was my first experience, uh, you know, uh, wearing the gloves. <laughs> it, it pretty much sums up Frankie Edgar, though, because, <laughs> and I mean, your fights are amazing. See, a lot of people, maybe they don't know this, but the 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 element symbol for iron is FE, your initials. And you're known as the Iron Army, you and your team. And uh, and I think that's awesome. But if you watch Rocky, and I want to say it's Rocky Four with Ivan Drago. I remember Ivan Drago goes to his corner, sits down and says, he's like a piece of iron. Yeah. A lot of people compare you to Rocky. And I, and I totally get it. I see it because it's about heart and determination. See, this podcast, what we're doing, the podcast, it's about this simple concept that at, at some point within a fight, technique gives way to heart determination. It's about passion. It's about drive. It's about finding what you need within yourself to become successful, which really is a big reason why I wanted you on the show. But, you know, you started out in Tom's River. You get um, to 6-0. and um, Before you get a, a shot at the Ultimate Fighter television show now, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but the, the Ultimate Fighter television show, it's kind of like like – the Trojan horse, because at the time, UFC was not on TV. It was only pay-per-view. You had to pay to see it. Then comes this reality show where you have about a dozen or so fighters that are competing for a one-year six-figure contract. You come on to the show. You try out for the show, I should say. Um, UFC, um, the president, Dana White, sees you for the first time. Joe Silva sees you fight. They like you, but then they do their interviews through Spike TV. You don't make the cut. And I guess it's because you weren't controversial enough. You didn't have purple hair, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that's pretty much what, that's what I thought it was, you know. Uh, but it was, getting in front of them was definitely a good thing for me because then it led to me being a, a replacement when a fighter got hurt. So they, they I guess they went to the, uh, the archives and said, all right, this guy, maybe we'll give this guy a shot. Well, and that's interesting though because they called you up to fight about a month later and it's against Tyson Griffin. And at the time, he's one of the top 10 ranked fighters in the world. And, and you take the fight. When you take this fight, is there any part of you that thinks maybe I'm not ready for this? Not at all. I mean, I knew that you can't pass up an opportunity like that. Um, you know, I took the fight on four weeks' notice, uh, and then actually got probably the worst sinus infection in my life during that camp. So I really only got to train two, two and a half weeks for that fight. Um, yeah, I, I ended up uh, during training, I got punched in my in the mouthpiece in my tooth, and I got an abscess. So I had to get a root canal, and a side effect of root canal can be a sinus infection. So I got one of the worst sinus effects of my life. And that was very tough to get through, but, uh, you know, there's no way I, I could turn I down e that opportunity. I don't even get out of bed with a sinus infection. Yeah. I don't know how you get in an octagon. As you're walking down, and you don't even walk down the octagon, you run down the octagon. Uh, did you run in that fight? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, why do you run? Uh, it's from wrestling. You know, in wrestling, we always run out, never walk out, and uh, I just kind of kept it with me. Yeah. So you get in there. You have a great first round, great second round, great third round, but at the end of the third round, you get caught in a vicious knee bar. Looks like your legs are going to break. I'm pretty sure that the commentators are saying he's going to tap. He's in trouble. He's, he's got to tap. You don't tap. How do you not tap? 
Ah, uh, you know, I, I just, I felt I won. I felt there was, I knew there was short, I think it was a minute left. I knew there was short time in the, in the fight. Um, right. I knew I did enough to win that fight. I, I, I'd rather have to limp for a couple of days or a week or a month than, uh, than lose that fight. Um, you know, especially what it took to get there and the effort I put in, I, you know, I definitely wanted to get my hand raised. So, uh, it popped once or twice and I said, all right, it's, it's, that's the worst that's going to happen. Let's, let's keep it going. I was able to kind of work my way out of it a little bit towards the last 30 seconds, you know, at least take the pressure off and, and wait it out. And what's great about that, you, you didn't get paid much for the fight, but then you got a $20,000 bonus and your first fight of the night. How many fight of the night bonuses have you gotten so far? <sighs> well, between fight of the night and performance of the night, since they changed it a little bit, I think, I believe nine or 10, something like that. Nine or 10, 10 years. Uh, and and still going strong, still fighting at the top of your game, which is amazing. I don't I don't really know of another career in the UFC that can match it. There's other guys that have like Randy Couture, who's who's had amazing careers. Um, but you've had wins after that over Spencer Fisher, uh, Sean Shirk, Hermes Franca, top fighters that were all fighting for championships around that time frame or top contenders. And August 10th, 2010, you get a fight against BJ Penn, who is arguably considered the greatest lightweight in history at that time. I remember when I heard that you took this fight, me being a huge fan of yours, I remember turning to my wife and saying, I don't think this is going to end good for Frankie. <laughs> and I said, honestly, I don't know that Frankie will get out of the first. I'm just being real with you. Yeah, I don't know that, that he'll get out of the first round. <laughs> I have never since this fight ever doubted you again <laughs> because you beat a guy that nobody thought, not, I shouldn't say nobody, you thought you could beat your coach, thought you could beat the people around you, thought you could beat them. But most people that knew BJ Penn's career and, uh, and what he's been able to do thought maybe you couldn't. And, and I'm sure uh, after you beat him, he wanted a rematch. You gave it to him. Did you have to give him a rematch? I mean, not necessarily. Um... You know, I'm, I'm learning now that, no, I didn't have to back then. But, right. you know, I'm, I'm a kind of, kind of a comeback guy, I guess. And, you know, I mean, BJ at that point, what he did, everything he did, if anybody deserved a rematch, it was him. Uh, you know, actually, I came home from Abu Dhabi. I ended up, actually had a staph infection when I fought him the first time. Uh, it was the early stages, but when I got home, I ended up having to go to the hospital for like four days. I had ended up having MRSA, getting quarantined. It was, it was a nightmare, but uh, I come home from the hospital. So I'm home for maybe two days, I think, from this fight. And uh, I get a call from Dana White. Yeah, we, we want to do the rematch. I'm like, man, can I, can I enjoy this a little yeah. bit? And uh, I was like, this is when I was having my second son, too. He was due in May. Or, yeah, in, in May, he's like, can we, can we fight in June? I'm like, dude, you got, give me August. At least let me go August. I'm with my yeah. kid. And, and we'll do it, and, and then I'll find it in August. So you got this belt. He also he already wants a rematch. I heard you once say he gave me a shot. He deserves one in return or something to that effect, which, by the way, it's the one thing about you, and I've told you this personally, that um, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met. And for a guy at the top of his game, a professional athlete who's reached the pinnacle of success, and you're still there for as long as you've been there, that's rare. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad my kids, my, my one son is here in the studio with us, you know, with his friend, I'm glad my kids can see someone like you overcome what you've overcome in a ring because life's about overcoming adversity. The thing about being a fighter like you is we get to watch the adversity. We get to sit there with popcorn in one hand and a Coke in one, you know, we're not in that ring with you, but sometimes I feel the butterflies because it's you. And I'm thinking, all right, I want to, uh. I can't get comfortable. You, uh, you know, it's amazing. I can't get comfortable when you fight, but I love watching it. Um, did you 
when you brought that belt home, what did it feel like? I mean, your friends all probably wanted to. Yeah. Uh, when I brought that belt home in, in April, I had, the, uh, you know, the firemen and everybody met me. We did a little okay. parade down at 37 and it was just wild. You know, um, I've been striving to be the best at w what I did for a long time, you know, in my wrestling career. Okay. And uh, I felt that I've always came up short, you know, many times in my wrestling career. So to finally reach the, the pinnacle, the top of, of, of the sport I'm competing in was uh, – it was something special, and you know, um, I've been striving for it ever since. Well, I'm telling you, it's been amazing. You you got uh, ESPN nomination for best upset of the year when you beat BJ Penn. You give him the rematch. You beat him definitively the second time, and um, and then you get a rematch against up to that point the only guy that's beaten you, Gray Maynard. I'm just gonna flat out tell you, it's it's, uh, it's probably my favorite fight. Probably not yours in the first <laughs> round, anyway. First round, uh, you get knocked down three times. He's a, he's a bigger fighter. He's got Randy Couture. He's got some uh, legends in his corner. I remember one time he fought you. He's got uh, Olympic gold medal wrestler Kendall Cross in his corner. I mean, he trains with some animals just like you do. But he knocks you down a few times. You take a broken nose. You come back and you, you tie the fight, which is amazing because I've, you know, I've been speaking for the past few years, uh, mostly to – the fire service, but outside the fire service as well. And there's a clip I show of this fight because I talk to them about being tough to overcome adversity. I talk about what my friend Matt Parr once said is, uh, if you ever lose your will to fight, somebody who has the will to fight will control you. Um, I talk to my son and his friends about the fact that anytime you want something in life, there's going to be somebody or something that's going to try to prevent you from getting it. This fight to me is symbolic of life because it's like here's a kid that gets knocked down that you think's out he goes to his corner and your corner man says one of the most amazing things he says calm down we've been through this before and i think that's something that i want to teach firefighters when we show up and we have everything against us and and you know we got a, a three alarm fire and people that are hanging out of windows act like you've been there before you know, what's it feel like being in that position where, where you do get knocked down a few times, you take a broken nose, you're having a hard time seeing your fighter, but you never stop fighting. You know, I'll be completely honest. A lot, I don't really remember <laughs> much of that fight, a couple other fights as well. But, um, you know, I know I look back and I watch it and I know I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my coaches in the corner. I'm looking at them, um, in the fight, I'm hearing his instruction and I'm doing everything they're saying. I think that just goes back to how I approach every training session. You know, I'm always listening to my coaches. I'm kind of always doing the certain things. So I was on autopilot and I was doing everything right. So for me, that's, you know, I'm doing things right when I don't even know I'm doing them. And and that's uh, a testament to me and my coaches because we're always, you know, have such a good uh, a, a good vibe and we get each other very well. You know, um, you got to trust each other. And uh, when my coach, especially Mark, he says something, I'm going to do it. You know, even if I, you know, maybe I might be like, ah, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to do it because he said do it. And uh, yeah, I think I did that in that fight. Well, so, and uh, so a lot of it comes down to training and preparation. You train, you prepare, you have muscle memory, you have the ability to adapt. You go to your corner, you listen to your coaches, you do what they say. Now, uh, Mark Henry, here's a guy who did, he competed as a boxer. Yes. Right. He owns a pizza place right now. I understand his pizza is outstanding. Yeah, right? very good. He knows pizza. <laughs> well, well I hope to have him on the podcast too soon. But when I spoke to him one day, he told me that he didn't want to train you. Now, nothing against you. He just didn't want to train anybody. Right. And after meeting you once, what he told me was he says that you 
you listened, you were teachable, and he just absolutely fell in love with you. And he thought, man, this kid, I, I like this kid so much. I want to help him. And he's been with you for 10 years now. Yeah, he's been with me since day one pretty much. Um, he didn't coach anybody. I'm the first guy he ever coached. Yeah. And uh, luckily, Steve, my my wrestling coach from uh, when I was a little kid, and he's my partner now at Elite Wrestling in Tom's River, he uh, he's cousins with Mark through marriage. And mm -hmm. uh, he actually reached out to Mark, hey, can you work with this kid? Because his son was wrestling for Steve at the time, and I was coaching his son. Okay. And uh, after one of the practices, he came, brought his mitts, and you know, we started working up and kind of just been doing it ever since. And, you know, we obviously escalated more and more. And now he coaches some of the best fighters in the world. And uh, he's a sought-out coach, maybe one of the most. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, you are, when you win your fights, you always shout out to Tom's River. Um, I know that you're real close with your friends. Your, your friends from high school are still your best friends today. I know you're loyal to your coach. You're loyal to your team. Loyalty is important to you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, loyalty is something you it's it's the backbone of everything you know if you don't have loyalty on someone on one, one person you're not gonna have loyalty on anything if you don't have loyalty to to your goals or loyalty to your family it's your things are going to start to unravel very, very quickly and uh, loyalty is a, a trait that means a lot to me no that's that's awesome um chael sonnen one of the most talkative guys in the ufc and um i listened to him tell a story about you one time because he said this is why Frankie Edgar is my favorite fighter. I don't know if you ever heard this story. Did you ever hear why you're his favorite? Um, maybe. I, I, well, well maybe. Let, me, let me tell you what he said because this is pretty good. Because I thought it was just about your heart and your determination and all that. And I know he loves the way you fight. But he said Frankie Edgar's not just my favorite fighter. He's a lot of fighters' favorite fighter. But here's why he's mine. He's co-headlining an event with you. It's one of the Gray Maynard fights. He just finished fighting. He's walking into the locker room. You're warming up, getting ready to come out. As he's walking in, he sees a kid decked out with the tap out stuff. And he goes over and he gives the kid a high five. And he says, who does this kid belong to? And his father standing right there. He says, I'll bring him right back to you, I promise. He picks the kid up and he brings him backstage to meet the fighters. And he brings him in a couple rooms to meet the fighters. And he opens up a door and you're getting last minute preparations from your coach just before walking out. And he says, Frankie, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. And you said, what is it? You know, what do you need? And then he said, and he said, I'm just bringing this kid back to meet some of the fighters. Well, you invited that kid in, took some pictures with him, signed some stuff for him. He said, the kid was on cloud nine. He said, I don't think there was another fighter on the roster that would have done that just before the biggest fight of his life, the way Frankie Edgar done that. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good, you know, cause it's not, you know, Stuff like that that goes on, it's unnoticed stuff. And stuff that I'm not looking for attention that, that gets noticed is, is cool, you know. It's and, cool, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't mean to be that way. I'm just that way. And you're, you're, you're very, that's why I told you. I mean, you're different than most of the pro athletes that I've known. Not that I've known that many. Right, right. You know, but, but you're, one, you're one that's easy to, to have a conversation with. How about uh, criticism? How do you deal with criticism? And, and specifically, social media. Now, on social media... You know, I see some fighters, some athletes of of any sport. I see people in um uh, in the music industry just get bashed. This never happened before. Like on Instagram, they'll make comments. How do you deal with stuff like that? Uh, you know, I, I used to it used to bother me early on. Um, just the social, it's just a different world we live in today. You know, it gives people voices that maybe shouldn't have voices. You know, mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and like you said, it makes us very accessible. So it's unavoidable. Um, now I just hit that block button and I keep it yeah. moving. Uh, I don't want to, I don't even let it affect me, my mood. I can't, I can't let someone else take that energy from me. Um, I used to, it would bother me. I'd think about it for a little bit. I would never like, uh, lose sleep over it ever. But I mean, for that five seconds that would bother me now, I don't even, I just hit block and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably the best way to do it anyway. Um, you've been climbing back, trying to get another title shot. I mean, you've had a, a, a chance at an interim with Jose Aldo. Very close fight you've had with him. You had an opportunity at one point where it looked like you and Conor McGregor might fight for an interim championship. And when he had a choice between you and Chad Mendez, you're in shape, you're ready to fight, you're ready to go right now. Chad Mendez is on a hunting trip, you know, 20 pounds overweight. He's got, what, 10 days or so, and he chooses Chad Mendez. There's a lot of people that thought that Conor McGregor del deliberately avoided you because you were the tougher fight. Is that the way you feel about that? I mean, I think so. I think uh, he's conveniently uh, kind of picked some guys and had his way up the rankings. You know, I don't want to knock the guy because, you know, he does deliver when, when it's time to deliver. Um, he's probably the best market and genius. In this he's very entertaining. Scene. Yeah, very, very entertaining. entertaining. You, you want to hear what he has to say next. And he does deliver. You know, he'll sit there and say he's going to knock guy out in the second round, and he, and he does he does do that. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I would have loved my shot with him. Um, you know, I think my style just gives him fits. And, uh, you know, it's just it's kind of unfortunate knowing that he's going to be one of the most, uh, you know, recognizable names in our sport, you know, for a very long time. And he was around my era, and I didn't get to fight him. That uh, that bothers me a little bit. But, do you, you know. Do you think he'll come back? Do you think he'd have a chance? I mean, let's just say things line up. You get that 45-pound title. I think there's a way. I'll never say die. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, and not at 45, but uh, I'll fight him 55. I'll go up to 70 to fight this guy. You know? Yeah. So in uh, 2016, two, uh, UFC 205 Madison Square Garden, my wife and I are there. You come out, and the whole garden starts chanting for Frankie Edgar. How does that feel? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I've had people cheer my name in other arenas, but something about the garden and being home and having, you know, a lot of my close friends and family there was uh, that, that, that one will stay with me forever. Um, I did, even all week, it just didn't feel like fight week because, I mean, I'm in the city, you know, pretty often. I used to train at Henzo's and that I was in that same vicinity right by the garden. And I'd be walking around like, man, oh, it's fight week, man. I got to get my mind right, you know. And uh, it was just a special, special time. Yeah, Henzo, yeah, my, my son, Tom, who was sitting here, uh, he had met uh, Henzo Gracie once before. I think he stopped by the studio and, and he took a picture with him too. So, uh, again, he's pretty approachable. Uh, 2017, you're right, you fight Yair Rodriguez, a Mexican fighter. He is, uh, again, another top fighter, up-and-coming guy. And before the fight, I remember his mom says uh, that, that she had a premonition that he was going to knock you out with a leg kick in the second round. And you were asked about that, and you said, well, my mom had a premonition that I was going to be a doctor, <laughs> and that didn't work out. You totally dominated him. And afterwards, you showed a lot of respect for him, but you talked about how there's levels to this game. And what do you mean by that? You know, there's just there's levels to this game. Is is um, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to be good everywhere. Um, you can't be just dominant in one area because someone that's better than you is going to find that area that you're weak at and take advantage of it. And that's kind of exactly what I did. Uh, you know, I still think I could have stood with him, but the takedown was there. I I, I you know see, see my opportunity and. Knew once I got on top of him, I was going to be able to do that to him. So, uh, again, he's very young. I think they pushed him along maybe a little too quickly. But, uh, 
He has ability, but he's got to get those other levels down, Pat, if he wants to make it to that next stage. He's another guy. He's great to watch. Fun. He's entertaining. I agree with you. They just kind of moved him there a little bit too quick. I'm going to ask you about some fighters right now. I'm just going to put out a name, and maybe you can tell me a little bit or just your initial thought about him, one being Corey Anderson, one of your training partners. Yeah, Corey, he's a phenomenal kid. Um, you know, I met him on the Ultimate Fighter show when I coached, when I was his coach, and he ended up moving out here to us uh, in Tom's River, and he is a big guy, and he's one. Of, you don't usually see big guys work as hard as him. He is. Uh, his nickname is Twenty Five Eight. Now it's overtime because Twenty Five Eight is a little redundant, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he's a phenomenal guy, great teammate, and the guy puts in more work than anybody. Um, his know. Instagram's amazing. Yeah, it seems like he never does anything but work out. Yeah, yeah, he know? definitely does work out a whole lot, uh, and he, he he documents it pretty often <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we bust his bust him a lot a little bit about that, but yeah, he's uh, he's got a bright future. He's still a young kid, and um, we'll just see how far he can take it. Two hundred five, and then you have Marlon Moraes. Marlon, Marlon uh, came here back when I was getting ready for. Um, he came with Edson Barboza when Edson and him were helping me get ready for uh, Benson Henderson probably back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And he's liked it here, moved out here as well. And he's just a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, one of my main training partners every day. Super good attitude. Uh, he was the WSOF champion. Now he's fighting in the UFC. He's fighting uh, John Dotson actually November 11th. And sky's the limit for that kid. He's one of the best athletes I've ever competed against. That's going to be a great fight. You mentioned Edson Barbosa. What about him? Yeah, Edson too. He, you know, he came to help me get ready, ready for Benson uh, Henderson back in 2012 along with Marlon. And um, he's just been phenomenal to have. He's probably one of the most dynamic strikers in the UFC. I call him, he's like a human weapon and uh, super athletic. He's a good guy. Both of them are family men. You know, they both had kids here in Jersey. The kids are Jersey kids. I just mess with them now about that. And uh, yeah, just good to have around. That's awesome. How about some other fights that aren't on your team? How about GSP? Yeah, George. George, I know very well. We uh, shared some, uh, you know, coaches. Obviously, he trains at Henzo's Gracie's uh, pretty often with John Danaher and Henzo. So uh, we crossed paths, you know, quite a few times early on when he was still fighting and now that he's coming back. But um, George is class act, you know, one of the best to ever do it. I think, uh, I mean, he did everything the right way. He trains properly. He's respectful. He's classy. You know, uh, I got nothing but good things to say about George. That's good. I'm excited to see him come back as well um how about john jones john jones may be the best to ever do this and it's just unfortunate that he kind of can't keep his nose clean you know whether it's you know still speculating i don't want to speculate you know on, on what happened with or what the results of all this is going to pan out for him you know with this uh last uh usada violation but um you know it just seems like whether smoke there's fire and he keeps finding himself there and it's it's a shame just because, you know, personally, John's a very nice guy to me. I've always got along with him well, and mm -hmm. I really think he has all the ability in the world. And if, if if he did, if he is guilty for taking steroids, I don't think he ever needed him. Yeah, well, you're probably right with that. So there's talk about maybe that he took a supplement that was tainted with an illegal substance. I want to talk about that right now, actually, because you wear plenty of other hats. You're not just a fighter. You're a commentator. You talked about your wrestling school. Uh, in Tom's River, uh, elite, elite wrestling. You talk, or maybe you didn't talk about this yet, but you have a UFC gym as well. Is it that's in East Brunswick? Uh, North Brunswick, North Brunswick, yeah. New Jersey. And now you have a supplement, the Iron Army supplement line that's coming out. It's shirts, hats, uh, supplements. I have I have one of them right here because um, this one is called Intra Reserve. And first of all, I've been drinking this as I've been talking to you today, but I, but I've been drinking this for a few days, and it tastes great. And 
maybe you could talk about this, but I read something on the back of this that it basically says no banned substances. But I think what's amazing is where this is mixed, there's no qual- there's no chance of it getting cross-contamination with right. banned. I mean, the, the, first we should talk about this. USADA, they ban a lot of substances. There's probably aspirin you, you can't take because there's banned stuff. And it's, it's certain things that we take right over the counter. Am I yeah, right? I mean, for the most part, uh, no, aspirin's okay, stuff like that. But there's definitely a lot of stuff that you just got to be careful because you don't know. You don't and, know. Uh, it got to the point where I was afraid to take supplements because you're hearing, and whether it's true or not, but you're hearing guys like John Jones and, and others where this, they get popped positive for, for USADA and automatically they want to say it's it's they took a tainted supplement. Right. It's so, the go-to answer sometimes. Right. right? And, and, you know, and, and granted, I believe it is true because there are facilities that, that use banned substances and they don't clean off their equipment and they throw something that's not supposed to have that banned substance on the same mixer and then it gets tainted. So it could happen, and I wanted to kind of take that guesswork out of it. You know, it's uh, it's too scary. You know, so this is how I make my living. I don't want to get popped for a, a, a test or a steroid test when I'm, you know, I'm not even looking to cheat. Right. So I decided to, to partner up with a couple guys and come out with this uh, supplement company um, that is not uh, made in, in a, a facility that allows bad substance, so it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. Uh, but the entry reserve is a, is a recovery uh a recovery um, shake or, um, you know, drink rather. And, um, you know, it has 15 grams of carbs, has beta alanine in it, electrolytes, uh, I think sea salt, and just a bunch of amino acids. Um, I used to go around and take one scoop of amino acid, one scoop of, of, right. of powder, and I used to have to take beta alanine. Now I was like, you know what, those are the three things that I like to take while I'm training. I put it all in one thing and made it easy for myself. That, that's great. And And you're supposed to sip it Throughout your workout or throughout your day? Yeah, there's really no wrong time to take it. Um, I like to take it about five minutes before, 10, 15 minutes before, I'll, I'll sip on it and then drink it through the rest of my workout. The beta alanine gives that little bit of the tingle feeling. I, I kind of like that. It helps me, my blood flow, gets me ready to go. And your website is your website, uh, ironarmy.com? Uh, theironarmy.com. Theironarmy.com. You know, I picked up a shirt and a hat from there, a, a shaker a, along with this product. So, and uh, uh, we're going to be coming out with a much more, you know, other product as well, uh, protein and, and some other things. But right now, this is uh, what we have on the market. Great. Listen, I got a few uh, rapid fire questions. All right. All right, for you, nothing, nothing difficult. But what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? The best advice is just simple. You know, if, if it was probably from my father. If you want to be successful, you got to work hard and, and, and constant at it. And uh, it may not be so much as that he specifically told me, but he showed me every day. You know, I got up for school at 6.30 in the morning. He was gone for two hours already, you know, and he'd come home from work, mm-hmm. eat dinner, and then go back to the office to work, to, to, to go bid some jobs. So, you know, I've seen it every day, and uh, that definitely was instilled into me early. How about bad advice? Anyone ever give you your worst advice? You know, I, I, I'm trying to think of worst advice someone gave me. I, I don't think I pay attention to it, you know? Yeah. So if it was if it was something bad, I... I, I Really never listened to it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. You know, or nothing bad enough that uh, that caught up with me. You know, you mentioned your father. Your father told you something about fighting, when you can and can't fight when you were in high school, right? What <laughs> yeah. was that? No, if someone if someone hits you, if someone hits you, you can hit them back. If, if, but you cannot start it, you know? He right. said, if you fight, you better take your chain off. <laughs> That's great. And, and also something about your mom, right? If, and if they say anything yeah, about your mother. Yeah, when I was, well, I was not high school. I was, I was, I believe, in first grade and- some kid would say something about my mom every day, so I'd beat him up every day. And, and the cops actually came to my house when I was seven years old. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was like, hey, kids, kids talk about my mom, you know? <laughs> I was like, well, listen, you can't do that. I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. How do, you, uh, how do you overcome adversity? I think overcome adversity is, is kind of just stick to the grind. Um, 
put your head down and, and, and just do it. Don't complain about it. You know, that's the easy thing to do. And, you know, I'll find myself doing that sometimes, you know, dealing with injury, dealing with some, just anything. There's always adversity in every fight I've ever had to this date. In my camp, I have to deal with some kind of adversity. And you're going to, I want to feel sorry for myself at times. I want to feel bad, and, but I don't. I try to just put my head down and still, you know, keep my focus on the goal. I mean, I, I think that I can recall definitely two, maybe three fights where you fought with a broken nose. Yeah, uh, yes. Luckily, it's it's been pretty good for the for yeah, I, I past couple of you. But yeah, you know, uh, my nose is uh, you know some people have glass jaws. I got a glass nose. <laughs> Was there any like one defining moment in your in your career that you said I feel successful? I feel like I've reached that level I've been trying to get to. You know, I, I don't. I mean, getting the title was was definitely the the probably the the mountain top, but. Yeah. I think when I fought Sean Shirk, and uh, you know he was a he was a former champion. Yeah. I think he just lost the belt to BJ, so you know I knew if I can beat him, and he was a champion, he held the belt. There was no stopping me from being a champion myself. So I think that was eye opening for me. For ten years, you have had a hunger to want to fight the best fighters. You've never looked for anything except you to prove you're better. How do you stay hungry? Uh, yeah, I still love this. You know, it, it doesn't feel like work to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I get beat up. I, I feel tired just like everyone else, but uh, I don't dread it. I still look forward to it, and I want to be the best still. I still feel like I have a lot in the tank. What habits do you attribute to success? I know you, I know you have the work ethic and the drive, but what, what are, like, some of your daily habits that you do when you wake up? You know, uh, my daily habits is I just try to— Make sure when I'm in the gym, I'm trying to compete to the hardest of my ability, to the to the, to the best of my ability. Um, I feel like if I'm going in there, like a lot of guys do this, they go in and they they think being there is enough. Punching, like I always say, you can't just punch your punch your ticket and all right, you're here for the day. You got to be in the moment. You got to be focused. Uh, otherwise, you're just gonna be turning the wheel, you know. And uh, and the sport has evolved so so much over the years. And the, the reason I that I I think I've been able to stay with that evolution is because of that reason that I'm not in the gym just punching the clock. I'm in there trying to improve, trying to focus on things I need to do every day. Mm. How do you celebrate success? With a hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, usually uh, I celebrate success just by enjoying my family. You know, I'm not a really, a, you know, I have my family and I have my fight career. You know, my friends are sprinkled in there as well. Um, but that's it. I'm not really too flashy. Uh, I don't really go out uh, and do anything crazy, but uh, just... Hang out with my family. Fantastic. Listen, Frankie, I want to thank you for being on here today. Um, I know Chris over here, I don't know if he has any questions he wants to share with you or ask you uh, before we wrap up today. But um, Chris is an executive with a large real estate company. You know, when, you know my background being a, a fireman, doing some speaking and writing. He comes from the business world as well. And uh, Chris, I don't know if you have any questions. Yeah, I had one. Um, actually, not from the business world, but... Uh Recently in the news, um, you know, it seems more and more every day that people are talking about, you know, child bullying and cyberbullying and, and stuff like that. And what got me thinking of this question, I actually last Monday took my first karate class ever. It, uh, it got me thinking about it. But in respect to that scenario, how do you think MMA, martial arts, fighting in general, speaking to a parent about their kids joining that and how that values and helps them um, through the early, early part of their life? Yeah, I think martial arts, um, combat sports specifically, but uh, is so beneficial to a kid um, for especially that reason, the, the bullying aspect of what's going on in, in, you know, in today's schools and whatnot. And uh, 
it's not only going to teach you to be self-defense, it's going to teach you respect. It's going to teach you confidence. Um, I, I've seen kids come into a wrestling room or to a jiu-jitsu sc- school, be the, the most shy, you know, unconfident person and just blossom because of, of, of learning how to defend themselves. You get the camaraderie within your, within your teammates. And, uh, it's just, it's, it, it, it's like a shelter for kids that maybe are getting bullied. And, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, some kids that get bullied, uh, and then we do something. But I think if you could put your kids in before they even get bullied, you're bully proofing them, you know, and, and, and they don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. I definitely, I think the, uh, the respect in that part of it is such, right. it's and such it's, a huge thing. But. You know, you're not teaching kids to go out there and go be a tough guy and beat someone up. You're teaching them how to take care of themselves and you're teaching them respect in the process. And, and that stays with them for a long time. Excellent. Thank you. You know, if it's done right, I think if a kid learns how to take care of himself, he'll he won't feel like he has to prove himself. Yeah, you can avoid you could you avoid know? it much more. Um, you're you're in a career where um, when a fighter gets humbled, they get humbled in front of millions of people, and so you guys are are some of the toughest people on earth when it comes to being able to handle yourselves. But yet at the same time, I think the humility probably comes from the fact that yeah, I mean, every one of you have been knocked down, knocked out. Uh, choked out something in front of a lot of people. And I guess with that comes that whole feeling of, yeah, everybody is beatable Absolutely. on a certain day. Yeah, you see that in jiu-jitsu places too, you know, because people get tapped out all, all, every day, all day at jiu-jitsu schools. That's why they don't have an ego, you know? Yeah. Um, in other sports where there's, there's not that combat, you know, you have that ego because you guys don't know, you know? You, you know, I could dunk the ball better than you, but am I tougher than you? Our sport, we know who the tough guys are. And, right. and we get... You know, everyone get loses and gets humiliated in front of everyone. So the, the egos are usually stay in check. No doubt. No. The the, uh, the conversation I was having the other day was, you know, another hot topic right now is with uh, kids in football. And that's becoming kind of like a big conversation of should we be allowing kids to do football? And the conversation spun into, um, again, in martial arts, a little different at your level where you're actually out there fighting every you're day. You're talking about with concussions. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. You know, dangerous for, for football. And, uh, and martial arts got brought into that conversation. And I said... You know, I, I would gather to say that a kid that does martial arts or, or trains for it is actually going to fight a heck of a lot less than somebody Absolutely. in another case. Absolutely. So again, you know, a little different with what you're doing, but I at think that a, normal level. No, but 100%. I think when people don't know how to protect themselves, that's when they act out in, in, in right. ways of, of uh, aggression or of just being scared. You know, when you, when you know how to take care of yourself, you're not going to act irrational because you know how to handle a situation. Well, it goes back with that thing. Sometimes when you stand up to the bully, the bully backs down. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Most of them don't want to fight. They just want to bully somebody. Yeah. So they're looking for the easy target. Yeah, for sure. So now you have uh, an upcoming fight with Max Holloway, again, for for a title. If you beat Max Holloway, you'll be the fourth fighter in UFC history to win championship belts in two different weight classes. You've wanted this for a long time. What do you think about having this opportunity 10 and a half years into your career? Yeah, I, I've been wanting this ever since I got that first title. Um, you know, I always knew that I could be a two-division champion, and here it is. You know, this is this is it. And I know this is a huge opportunity from in front of me. Um, Max has been on a tear. He's a, he's a great fighter, but uh, I, I like my chances, and uh, I, I'm going to say I'm not going to be denied. Um, you know, I feel good about it. I got a long camp ahead of me and i'm ready to attack it and i'm ready to get this job done and uh, i'm sure that you have a game plan and you know how you want to go forward with it uh, but he brings some skills to the table you know he's he's a good striker uh, is he someone that you would uh you would try to strike with 
Yeah, you know, I, I, at this point in my game, I, I don't, I do, I. This is my game plan for every fighter. I'm gonna come forward. I'm gonna throw punches, and if a takedown's there, I'm gonna look for it. If I take it down, I'm gonna punch it and look for submissions. And if I you stop my takedown, I'm gonna stand up with you. I mean, that's just as simple as that. Um, so I feel like I can do every part of the game, and and if any opening he gives me, I'm gonna jump all over it. There was a, you know, a couple months there that it looked like the fight might not happen, and it was the holdup on his end. What was the holdup? I'm not 100% sure. You know, I can't really speak on on his behalf, I guess, um, but I think they were just ironing some contract issues out. You know, I know a lot of fighters, once they get the title, they want to try to get a little bit better contract, which is understandable. So I'm pretty sure uh, they got all that worked out. Well, that's good. I know that, um, you know, in recent times, people have been trying to negotiate the better deals you know, I guess it has a lot to do with Conor McGregor and he's come in and he's kind of called his own shots. But, I mean, let's be honest, Conor McGregor pulls in some numbers too. He, he gets some eyeballs looking at that TV and he does some pay-per-views. Absolutely. Yeah, you know? I mean, he brings in the brings in the money, so he deserves the money. That's kind of how it goes. What's your uh, what's your prediction for Holloway? I know you don't often give him, so. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my hand raised. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'm just... Uh, I can't really say how it's going to go down, but I know I'm going to get my hand raised. I feel, I feel good about it. I'm looking forward to it. Good luck. Thank you. And if uh, if there's any chance I could be there, we're going to be in the audience there cheering you on. But if awesome. not, we'll probably do what we typically yeah. do is have about 100 people over the house <laughs> cool. and, uh, and and do it from a distance. Frankie, thank you for coming in today. No, I really thank, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. me. I had a pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah, me too. Thank you. All right, don't forget to check out Frankie Edgar's supplement line and his clothing line at theironarmy.com. I'm wearing his shirt right now. I love it. I'm not paid to endorse this, Chris. Uh, this is just, you know, great brand, great products, and I hope people check it out. But uh, can you tell people how they can check us out? Yeah, Frank, really the easiest way, head right over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Right at the top of the page there, you have a link to all our socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fireinsidepodcast. Also, our Twitter and Instagram links. We're pretty active on all of those. Definitely also make sure you check out our YouTube page. We do some exclusive content there, kind of behind the scenes, um, extra stuff that gets cut out of the actual podcast, but some really great stuff over there. Check that out. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Also, if you'd like to purchase any of the books from um, either Frank or any of our guests, shoot over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Click on the shop link up at the top. That'll bring you to our page broken down by episode of each one of our guests. And those will take you over to our Amazon affiliate links where you can pick up a copy. Also, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, stop by one of those pages, give us a like. Leave a comment. Reviews are always great. We love to hear from you guys. And that's about it. So I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next time.